Welcome to the Red Light Report, your number one source for all things red light therapy, where you will learn how to optimize your health, wellness, and longevity with the power of photobiomodulation. I'm your host, Dr. Mike Belkowski. Welcome back, everybody. Thanks for joining me again today on the Red Light Report. Believe it or not, we're over 5% of the way through the year, which might not sound like a lot, but I guess another way I like thinking of it is that we're 120th of the way through the year. Imagine everything you've done since the New Year's and do that 20 times and we're going to be in 2024. <laughs> so anyway, there's your update on progress of how far we are through the year. But regardless, I hope you guys are ready for another grounded or earthing episode, as I'm sure you can tell by the title and the fact that we're doing doing this series to kick off 2023. And as you can guess, I am currently grounding right now on my own earthing mat. And I'm going to give you guys another update, kind of like I did last week, on what I have noticed with grounding. So as I'm sure most of you know, I use the BioStrap to measure my biometrics. I don't wear it throughout the day for activity tracking or anything like that. I exclusively use it to track my sleeping biometrics so I can measure the, especially the HRV. That's what I'm really curious about. But you can also check on your, your heart rate, your respiratory rate, your oxygen saturation, and a lot of other nitty gritty stuff. But the one I'm really concerned about personally is my HRV, because for me, that's my Achilles heel. And that's something I've been really trying to work on throughout the years, because that's really a measure of stress and, and your ability to relax or to de-stress or decompress. And so if your HRV is consistently low, that means, A, you're probably consistently stressed and or you just don't have the ability or, or you don't practice uh, habits to tap into your parasympathetic nervous system. That's for the vast majority of people. So if you're one of those people, don't feel like you're alone. You're actually in the majority where we're always stuck in this fight or flight sympathetic nervous system. And doing that once in a while is fine. And in fact, that's healthy. But we've actually flipped the script completely. And, and most of us are frequently in that fight or flight mode. So we're constantly draining our, our nervous system. So that's why things like meditation or mindfulness practice or, or breathing and yoga and Tai Chi and, and these types of things are really good at being able to tap into your parasympathetic and thus increase your HRV. It's kind of the opposite of heart rate, where you want your heart rate relatively low, which is a sign of fitness, it's a sign of health. Whereas with HRV, you want that thing I don't want to say as high as possible, but you want it pretty high because that means your heart more or less and your nervous system more or less is flexible and is able to adapt to stressful situations. Whereas if your HRV is low, that means your system, so to speak, is rigid and it can't adapt as well to stressful situations when they arise. And, and more often than not, those stressful situations are unpredictable. So to have a higher HRV means you're able to take on this unpredictable world in a healthier manner. So again, my HRV traditionally is quite low, at least from what I've learned and what I've read and what I've listened to. HRVs, you can't compare them from person to person, whereas you can with, with a heart rate. You know, having a heart rate in the low 50s, high 40s, and even low 40s if you're, you're an endurance athlete is considered pretty darn solid. Whereas if your heart rate is up in the high 70s or 80s or 90s, that's very high for a resting heart rate. That's considered unhealthy. And you can compare that from person to person. Whereas with HRV, 
it's not as a direct comparison from a person. So to say my HRV is typically in the uh, mid to low 60s, whereas my wife's HRV is typically in the high 90s or even in the low 100s, of course, hers is better or more desirable than mine, but it's not a direct correlation, meaning her 100 is not like my 100 and my 60 is not like her 60. So I I can't really get into the technicalities, but just know there's not a direct comparison from person to person. So when you're looking at HRV, you really have to compare it to yourself. It's kind of an N equals one. And that's why you want to track your HRV, your heart rate variability on a consistent basis. A, that way you know where you stand on a day-to-day basis. And secondly, that's how you know what type of treatments or supplements or treatment strategies work or don't work for you. So if you start implementing some type of supplement or you start implementing some type of strategy like grounding, you can see its direct impact relatively instantaneously. So that's kind of the report I'm going to give you right now on grounding and how it's impacted me. Because if if I were just to start grounding on a consistent basis and then report back to you, I could still give you my subjective data. And like I gave you last week, my joints feel better. My muscles feel better. My mind feels a little cleaner or clearer and lighter. And that's continued throughout this past week. But now I'm able to give you some objective data, such as the HRV. So again, for example, my personal HRV is typically in the mid to low 60s. And I've been using the BioStrap for a couple of years now, so it's pretty solid data at this point. But within the first handful of days of utilizing my bed mattress, my grounded bed pad, I should say, and my grounding mats, both at my desk and both you know, around the house, if it's at the dining room table or in the living room somewhere where I know I'm going to be sitting down for some time, I, I have some grounding pads. So compared to pre-grounding strategy, I was grounding 0% of the time in my house. And the only time I was grounding was, well, in the winter, not at all because there's snow and it's, it's very cold. But let's say mid to late spring to mid to late fall, you know, I would be grounding anywhere from 15 to 30 minutes in the morning. And then throughout the day, as I could, if I could take phone calls or listen to certain things outside while I'm walking around on the grass, I would do that. So I would say cumulatively, I was grounding for... 30 to 60 minutes on average during that late spring to mid to late fall here. But again, otherwise, zero grounding indoors or otherwise. Compare that to a grounded bed pad where I'm grounded from the time I get into bed to the time I get out of bed. I would say that's about 10 hours. And then all of the hours I spend on my desk or around the house where I have a grounded mat, I would say there are only... Again, this is ballparking. I would say there's about three to five hours a day I'm not grounded, at least for the past 10 days or so. So anyway, here are the reported numbers for my HRV. Again, typically in the low 60s, but by the third and fourth day, this was my HRV, 83. So that means 21 points higher than average. The next day was 91 which is 28 points higher than than average. So so for instance, if my HRV was typically, let's say 63, and then that morning or that day of sleeping, I had a 91, that's like saying I had a, let me do the calculations here, 144% increase in my HRV. 
Again, by doing nothing differently, I didn't change any other lifestyle habits. You know, I'm still eating the same. I'm still working the same. I'm exercising the same. The only thing that changed was the grounding that I'm implementing inside my house. So again, 91 for that day. And then the next day was an 81. And here's another interesting fact. So not only has my HRV increased by about 125 to 140% on a consistent basis, there are those days where one of my guilty pleasures is eating a ribeye steak with a glass or two of red wine. If any of you guys out there in the audience tracks your HRV and you have your certain guilty pleasure, so to speak, of a meal and or or alcohol, you know that that's kind of one of the number one things that will absolutely tank your HRV. So again, for my reference point, my HRV is typically low 60s. Whenever I have that guilty pleasure of going out on the uh, town and having a ribeye steak and some wine, that will guarantee that my HRV will be in the 40s at least. So it drops significantly. And I know that. And again, that's my guilty pleasure. I don't do it all the time. But I know that my HRV will suffer because of that. My point being, with my grounding strategies implemented, my most recent time, just a a handful of days ago on Friday, you know, at the time I'm recording this, my post-stake HRV was 67. So that means that even with my ribeye steak and a couple of glasses of wine that would typically throw me into the 40s, which is about 33% lower than my average, my most recent post-stake HRV was actually higher than my typical average at 67, if you consider my typical average in the 62s. So I say all of that to say that my new ceiling of HRVs has been significantly raised. And I think within weeks, if not a month or two, my consistent HRV will be in the mid to high 90s, if not 100 with grounding implemented. And again, my new floors or my new lows are actually higher than my previous average because the one thing that would tank my HRV the worst brought it down to a 67, whereas my average was about 62, 63. So I wanted to bring that to your attention. Secondly, and again, this is just my N equals one experiment with grounding. Last week, I had a pretty darn big leg workout. And the type of leg workout that I know I'm going to feel punished in the next 48 to 72 hours, big achy thighs, big achy groins, glutes, calves, all of that stuff. And I'm just counting down the hours until that dom sets in. In the back of my mind, I'm kind of curious to see what happens as far as grounding and if it can truly mitigate or even prevent doms. I was hoping for slightly less at the very least. And I'll tell you what, by Thursday, so 48 hours later, there was zero doms. Thursday, Friday is typically when I play some pickup basketball. I couldn't Thursday because I was too busy, but Friday... I was looking forward to it and hoping I wouldn't be too sore. But again, Friday, no doms from my big leg workout that Tuesday. So that absolutely blows my mind. And I didn't change anything differently, whether it was supplement or food or sleep or red light therapy or anything. The only thing I changed was my grounding strategies. And once you have your grounding strategies in place, it's very simple. You don't have to go out of your way. The bed mat is there. The grounding mat is here at my desk. And the grounding mat is out in my uh, dining room and living room, wherever I sit. So it's not like I'm having to go out of my way to ground anymore. And so these are the types of results I'm seeing. My HRV is significantly raised. Both the highs and the lows are raised. DOMS or delayed onset muscle soreness is virtually gone 
And that's just from my one experience so far with uh, doing a big exercise routine. And then thirdly, I don't know if I'd necessarily call myself a runner by any means, but I do like to run for exercise. I love to trail run. That's one of my favorite things to do throughout the entire year is go trail running because like you guys have probably heard if, if you're longtime listeners, one of my guilty pleasures is to go trail running at this trail that is, I would say, comparable to a trail run up at Glacier National Park. But this trail is about five minutes from <laughs> from my driveway. So I feel absolutely grateful and blessed to have a trail that close to me that I can literally get up and go run every morning, weather permitting. With that being said, with the weather permitting in the forefront here, I can't go do those runs for a vast majority of fall through early spring because of the snow and the cold and and the very cold and wet spring here in Montana. So I can only do that trail running, you know, let's say about six months of the year. And so typically, I don't start running until late, late winter, early spring when the snow is finally gone and the weather is relatively warm, meaning maybe in the low to high 40s, you know, is warm enough for me to go running. And so I typically don't start my running routine until around that time. But this year, I don't know, I'm feeling a little extra motivated. I want to, you know, be able to go trail running and kind of be in shape versus the first part of trail running, getting me back into that running shape. So I'm trying to be a little more proactive this year. But that's all to say that when I typically begin my running regimen, my ankle and my knees and or hips do not like it for the first several weeks, maybe even a month plus of running, my body doesn't like it. I'm waking up certain sore spots that I've had since high school injuries playing football, namely an avulsion fracture I had in my left hip, which I know has indirectly impacted the kinetic chain below me and my knee and my ankle and my foot to a certain degree. But I do have this really chronic off and on injury near my fibular head, which is more or less near my knee, just below my knee outside knee joint on my left side, that when I go running for long enough, that thing will start barking at me at some point. You know, I can go trail running for four or five, six miles, and at about mile four or five or six, that will almost always start barking at me. And I was able to mostly put that to bed with dry needling that area, you know, keep it happy for several weeks maybe, and then it would come back, and it's just this vicious cycle. But anyway, so I've been running pretty consistently the last couple of weeks, And again, that's with earthing implemented, nothing else changed. I will add that I have been doing more consistent yoga since November, so that could play a role in keeping my tissues more pliable. But on this train of thought of earthing and grounding, being anti-inflammatory and just keeping your body as healthy and as in homeostasis as possible, I have had zero aches or pains or even any semblance of quote unquote, that barking, you know, that I said my ankle barks, that fibular head barks at me. There's been zero of that. And again, in years past, I would have to trudge through the first week or so of runs. And I'm saying two to three runs a week, three to four runs a week, maybe a mile and a half each this early in the season for me. It's not like I'm trying to run, you know, a half marathon or anything. But again, my body has not had any negative side effects or aches or pains from the running. And again, I would attribute almost all of that to grounding. 
Well guys, the holiday season may be over, but you can still save big. We've had this for some time now. BioLite has what's called bundles. So simply go to the BioLite website, BioLite.shop, go into products and there'll be a tab for bundles. With each of these bundles, there's three of them, you save 20% off on the entire package. For example, we have the beauty bundle, which includes a shine and stand, a guardian plus, and the longev revive cream. So that bundle of three products, you save 20% off the entire package. There's the recovery bundle, that includes the Recharge Plus panel, the Guardian mouthpiece, and then the Longev Recover Cream. And that Recover Cream is just like the Revive Cream, except it has added CBD oil infused into it. That package of three items all comes at 20% off. And then the last bundle, which is the most versatile bundle in the sense that you get to pick and choose what products you want. You get to pick and choose from the Recharge Plus panel, the Restore Plus panel, or the Matrix Full Body Mat. And then you get to choose between the Guardian and Guardian Plus. And then you get to choose between the Revive and the Recover Cream. It also includes the Shine and Stand, so you get to choose between black and silver. By purchasing those four products in the Ultimate Bundle, you save 20% off all of the products. You also save 20% off shipping. So literally, the entire package and shipping is 20 20% off. So if you're ever needing some red light therapy products and are looking for a discount, just remember the bundles are always 20% off, 365 days a year, no coupon code necessary. And so just a quick review on what grounding has done for me, and I've only been doing it for 10 days or so at this point. Again, my HRV is significantly higher, both my average and when I have a quote unquote bad day, like, like that ribeye and wine, they're both higher. So my highs are higher, my lows are higher. From big, strenuous workouts, no DOMS, zero DOMS, no muscle soreness, or I would say 95% of it was gone. I didn't have that day where I could barely walk and, and you know I was having to waddle around the place just to get around. There was none of that. And then thirdly, running, where I would typically have those aches and pains in my ankle and knee and hip especially after multiple, multiple runs to, to begin the year or to begin my season, so to speak, there's been zero aches or pains. With all that being said, earthing has been an absolute revelation for me personally. I'd love to hear from you guys if, if you have been grounding on a consistent basis or if you have begun to implement grounding. I'd love to hear what you guys have noticed as well. And so just as a reminder, because I've been getting absolutely bombarded with questions and people asking where I've been getting my earthing or grounding products and, you know, who do I trust and, and you know, what should they be looking for? Um, I'll tell you guys again, and I think I said this the prior episode, that I got all my products from earthing.com. And again, I'll, I'll leave the link in the show notes for you guys. So you can make sure that you go to the correct website because there are a ton of knockoffs. And Clint Ober outlines this on his website that you need to be careful for a lot of companies that use the terms or the words earthing or grounding in their domain or in their company name. So you have to be careful for those knockoffs. And if you want a device that's directly from a Clint Ober company, then you want to use the link I provide for the earthing.com website. A, like I said, you want to make sure you're not only getting a high quality product, which you know you're getting from, from Clint Ober, whose book I'm reading from and citing from, and he's provided all of this information, and he's really the one that's brought earthing to the forefront and to the masses. 
So A, we want to support him and B, make sure you're getting a high quality product. And so when you go to that link in the show notes here, and you can even verify to make sure you're on the correct website, the correct earthing.com website, that it says EarthFX Incorporated, all rights reserved at the bottom of the website, because EarthFX is Clint Ober's company. So I'll let you guys know which products I've been utilizing. Like I've mentioned before, the grounding mats for my office and for out in the living room and the dining room, the king-sized grounded mattress pad and the pillowcase cover. So not only are my wife and my bodies getting grounded, but our head and necks are as well, which for me is huge. And I think it's going to be kind of a killer for my head and neck tension issues that I've been having throughout the years. I haven't had it recently, but it's been an on again and off again situation. And I think it's just stress induced where the muscles right below my skull in the back of my head there would get very, very tight and cause tension headaches. So I really think this grounding pillowcase is going to nip that in the bud along with the grounded mattress pad. And then most recently, I got my dog his own grounded mattress pad. That hasn't come in yet, but I'm excited for him to have that because as I've mentioned on prior episodes, and we're talking like a year ago plus, he's been dealing with his own issues ever since he was a puppy. The uh, veterinarians haven't been able to take care of yet. It's been kind of a perpetual chronic health condition that I think they initially thought was a food allergy. And so he's been on, believe this or not, kangaroo food for quite some time. But long story short, I don't even think it's necessarily a food allergy. They might think it's a an environmental allergy as well, but we haven't gone there yet. So I've been trying my own alternative holistic strategies. And really one thing I've noticed, and this is my last little bit here before we get back to the book, but one thing I have noticed that has moved the needle quite a bit for him is filtered and ionized water. I don't know if the filter is making a bigger difference. If I had to guess, I would say the ionization of the water has made the biggest difference. So whenever you guys hear me go off and talk about how we can get free electrons, this free electrons, that we can get it from light, we can get it from grounding. We can also get it from water if you have hydrogen rich or electron rich water. And so I'm sure a lot of you have heard of the Kangen machines and these ionizing machines that can increase or decrease the pH of your water. And from what I've learned and heard, those are just marketing ploys. Once once the water gets into your system, once that water gets into your gastric acid, nothing ever comes of that pH. So if you're thinking you're drinking alkaline water, well, again, once it hits the gastric acid in your stomach, that alkaline water isn't going to make it to those tissues like you think it is. So all of that to say, I didn't get an ionization water for the pH I got it for the ionization or the electron-inducing components of the machine because I want as many electrons as possible running through my body, running through my system, because I want the highest redox potential possible. And when I say highest redox potential, I want to be as negatively charged as possible because that is anti-inflammatory and that is a sign of health, the higher your redox potential or or the, the more negative you are. And so that's why light is so important. That's a way to get free electrons, red light therapy. That's why grounding another source of free electrons. And I would argue maybe one of the better ones to get on a consistent basis because you can do it 24 seven if you really wanted to. And then water, you can get hydrogen tablets. They do the same thing. They make your water hydrogen rich or electron rich, or you can get one of those machines that can also provide that electron rich water. And I will say this, just like we know 
inflammation is acidic, the reason why these machines can tout that their pHs are, are higher is because of the electrons. Because remember, electrons are anti-inflammatory or anti-acidic. So the more alkaline the water is, the more electrons inherently have to be in that water to make it alkaline. So again, if you're looking for another strategy to get consistent anti-inflammatory electrons, so to speak, in, into your system, I would highly recommend looking into some sort of water ionizing machine. And I, and I say that because I, that's the one thing in the past couple of years that has really made the difference for my dog. He's finally trending upwards after all these past couple. Of, he just turned two actually um, a couple of weeks ago. So for essentially his entire life, he's been battling some inflammatory or fungal or bacterial health issue of some sort. But I really believe that the water ionizer has been a huge help in that regard. But Without further ado, guys, that was a long intro or a long catch-up, so to speak, but let's get back to the book. And so I know I've said this is going to be a three-part series, but the more I look at it with all the information I want to cover, this is going to be longer than a three-part series, if you'll have me. Last week, we covered the chapter that was Connecting the Dots. This week, we will begin with the chapter entitled Earthing 101, How to Connect. So the first section here that piqued my interest is entitled Barefooting Opportunities. Besides walking barefoot, you can, of course, ground yourself by sitting on the earth or on a chair with your feet planted on the ground while reading a book, listening to music, or just plain relaxing. For people with foot issues or tender feet, we recommend sitting in a comfortable chair with your bare feet placed directly on the earth. To make the earthing experience most effective, dampen the soil or grass for added conductivity. Leave your feet squarely on the earth and sit there for 30 or 40 minutes. Actually, when any part of your body, your hands, forearms, legs, for example, makes contact with the ground, you are receiving the energy from below. If you have the opportunity, connect with the earth two or three times a day. The more time you put in, the more you benefit. The more compromised your health is, the more often and longer we recommend that you do this. But even in a half hour or so, you will have a remarkable shift. We have already measured some important physiological improvements within a half hour to 40 minutes, and many more will come to light with continued research. Many people have asked us about concrete. Is it conductive? The answer is maybe. Conductivity depends on the moisture level and whether there is moisture through the concrete down to the ground. A dry concrete floor or one with a moisture barrier beneath, or with a sealed or painted surface, will likely have little or no conductivity. Asphalt is made from petrochemicals and is not conductive. The same goes for a wood or vinyl surface. Water-wise, wading or swimming in the ocean is a great recreational form of grounding. Salt water, rich in minerals, is highly conductive, and actually several hundred times more conductive than fresh water. Conductivity depends on the concentration of minerals in the water. So lake water is much less conductive than salt water. And pool water is likely less than that. A plastic kiddie pool would not be conductive because a plastic would insulate the water from ground contact. And so there's a little subsection here called tree hugging. Are you grounded? We've also been asked many times if tree hugging is a form of earthing. The answer again is maybe. 
and this is because trees are made of wood, an insulating substance. If you touch the dry bark of a tree, you are likely not grounded. Unless the tree is wet or you touch the sap of the tree, which comes from the ground, hugging the tree will likely not result in a significant transfer of the Earth's electrons. The soil under a tree is generally more moist than the exposed soil. So if you are barefoot, you would likely be quite grounded whether you are in contact with the tree or not. If you hold the leaf of a tree or plant firmly between your fingers, you are grounded. The sap is very close to the surface, but you won't have the same effect from a dry leaf. If you touch the green stem of a plant, you are grounded. Trees and plants are living, grounded organisms. They resonate with their own frequencies and energy, and they also have their own umbrella effect, as we discussed in the last chapter. This may also account for a calming, positive experience standing under a tree, or just touching or hugging it. Our recommendation. Yes, go hug a tree, touch a stem, or hold a leaf. They are alive and full of energy. Just watch out for the ants. And so then the other part of this chapter, they go into barefoot substitutes, such as grounded sheets for your bed, grounded mattresses, grounded mats, grounded patches or, or body bands, and then grounded pet pads, and also grounded shoes. So those are also covered in that chapter. And then moving on to the next chapter, this is pretty cool because it gives some insight into Clint Ober and really how he came upon grounding kind of haphazardly. I'm not going to go into the full detail of how he got into earthing and really brought it to the forefront of the masses, but I'm going to read some of the highlights from this chapter that I think is pretty prevalent and would be interesting for you guys. Uh, So the first part is where Clint says, I remember one case in which I grounded a mother at the request of her daughter, whom I had previously grounded. The older woman had suffered chronic pain in the hips for more than 10 years. I placed two grounded electrode patches on her feet. After about 20 minutes or so, she said she had to get up to go to the restroom, so I took the patches off. As she raised herself off the chair, she let out a scream. I got a real scare. I thought something had gone wrong. No, she said. My pain is gone. And so that's the end of that anecdote, but pretty darn dramatic. And then this little subsection here is under common symptoms that improve. So Clint goes on to say, Many women with menstrual issues have confided to me, a man and a stranger in their lives, that their periods are smoother after they started earthing. I was once speaking at a health conference and was having a chat with a doctor and his wife afterward. I noticed that the wife had a painful look on her face. I asked her if she was okay. She said openly that it was PMS. I asked her if she would let me see if grounding could help her. I sat her down nearby where I was demonstrating earthing and applied a grounded electrode patch for 15 minutes on the palm of her hand. At the end of that time, she had a different look on her face. She said most of her discomfort had cleared up. The next day, the doctor called me to say her wife had felt so good that she was exercising on the mini trampoline in their home. Usually, he said, she was down for a week. Women in midlife often describe less discomfort from typical hormone swings with grounding. The main thing I've seen with children is a rapid calming effect. After grounding kids, parents are usually quite eager to have them traipsing around barefoot in the backyard. Nowadays, the first thing a kid will do in the morning is put on his or her shoes, and the last thing at night is take them off. 
So they are ungrounded pretty much all this time. And this contributes, I believe, to a lot of the new health and emotional problems that kids have today. And it's another factor to add to the list of causes such as junk food and lack of exercise and being exposed to long hours of television, computers, and video games. People who sleep grounded are calmer, more energetic, and less stressed during the day. They wake up with less stiffness and soreness in the morning. People with asthma and other respiratory ailments like bronchitis and emphysema breathe better. I've seen this often with children who have asthma. Headaches often become less intense and frequent and sometimes go away altogether. If you have heartburn, go outdoors and plant your feet on the ground for 20 minutes and see what happens. Heartburn and acid reflux benefit from grounding. Earthing has a stabilizing effect on the nervous system. One striking example of the healing potential on the nervous system was described to me by an acupuncturist who reported that after sleeping earthed for a year, the mild and infrequent partial seizures she'd had for 15 years seemed to have stopped. If you have constipation, grounding may make you regular. It has done so for many people. Some individuals have told me they were able to discontinue laxatives. I have seen many people with debilitating arthritis who have dramatically improved. I saw this right from the very start. For individuals who are bedridden, a grounded bedsheet can reduce or eliminate bed sores. Hospitals need to ground their patients. Eczema and psoriasis improve. So does dry skin and dry, itchy eyes. Food and pollen allergies improve and sometimes even clear up. Faulty immune systems seem to work better. By connecting with Earth, it's as if you press a button on the immune system, like on a computer, that switches disabled to enabled. I know this from first-hand experience. Years ago, when my kids were growing up, they would bring every virus and bug home from school and I would inevitably catch what they got. In the years since I became grounded, I've had a few colds, but that's about it. I used to suffer from pollen allergies with a particular sensitivity to juniper. When the junipers blossomed, I would have difficulty breathing for weeks. Certain foods would cause red blotches on my throat. If I ate strawberries, I'd break out with something like hives. Oranges gave me canker sores. There were long stretches of time when I was living off of drugstore allergy remedies just to be somewhat comfortable. One doctor told me to stop eating wheat and grains with gluten. I don't have any of that anymore. I eat everything, and I don't have any problem with juniper or pollens. And the next title of the subsection here is, How Fast Does Earthing Work? People who ground themselves usually say they feel better within an hour, in many cases 20 minutes, whether they are walking or sitting barefooted or are connected to earth through a conductive sheet, mat, or electrode patch. The research shows instant changes in physiology and significant improvements in the body's electrical activity inside a half hour or 40 minutes. I have seen some people with tension headaches have rapid relief within 5 minutes. Others, such as someone with a chronic condition like arthritis, may take half hour or so to notice some level of pain relief. But relief of pain and symptoms, in varying degrees and depending on what condition is involved, is a common response. The speed at which this occurs also varies from person to person. Relief can be significant, subtle, rapid, gradual, total, or partial. I have found that lasting changes in stress, sleep, pain, and body rhythms occur when people stay connected to the earth for longer periods of time on a continual basis. Nighttime sleep, when the body is most receptive to healing, appears to be an ideal time for earthing. What better time for a natural healing when it occurs effortlessly while you sleep? 
And the next subsection here is when you stop, you lose the benefits. And this is something I really wanted to drive home with you guys because unlike, again, unlike light therapy, red light therapy, where there's that biphasic dose response where you don't want too little, you don't want too much, you just want the right amount, with grounding, the more, the better. So Clint goes on to say, if you have chronic inflammation and you ground yourself for a period of time and then stop, the body will usually sooner or later revert back to its previous ungrounded status. I have seen this regression happen with people and animals alike. Many people report that the effects of earthing continue with longer use. It is important not to give up too soon. You are plugging yourself into an energy source that is part of nature's design. Your body's electrical system that controls every cellular function will function better when you reconnect. Another subsection here, earthing and detoxification. Some individuals with chronic inflammation, fibromyalgia, fatigue, anxiety, and depression, or who take multiple pharmaceutical drugs may feel achiness, malaise, or flu-like symptoms initially when grounding at night. They may, of course, actually have the flu, which has nothing to do with earthing. But if not, such initial roughness may likely be due to a healing response promoting the release of toxins. As toxins pass through and out of the system, some temporary roughness may be experienced. When this happens, it is advisable to drink extra water to help flush out wastes. Another option is to cut back on the grounding and start with perhaps an hour a day and then slowly increase your exposure. This approach gives your body a chance to adjust more slowly to the Earth's energy. And so that's, of course, what I tell people a lot, and that's outlined in the ebook. When you initially start a new treatment protocol, something such as red light therapy or earthing or something that's going to open up your circulatory system, not only are you going to get the oxygen and nutrients in, but you're going to be flushing and opening up pathways with toxins that have been closed for a long time. So you may get this detox response. And people that don't know that will think that uh, red light therapy or earthing has caused this negative reaction when in fact the negative reaction is a healing response. That detoxification is a healing response. And while it's not fun, it's the first step into your body and you feeling better and operating better. So as long as you know that that detox response may happen, then when it does happen, you can appreciate it and understand that something good is actually happening. Uh, the next subsection here is earthing is dose-related. The whole thing goes back to nature and the way our bodies were designed, in a grounded state pretty much 24-7. If you sleep grounded, that's wonderful. That means, though, that your immune system is still in an ungrounded state for 16 hours a day. If you can extend your hours of earthing, you can stand to benefit even more, particularly if you have serious health issues. Many individuals have told me about quantum leaps of improvement after extending their grounding hours into their active day. Earthing really has a dose-related effect. The longer you do it, the better. A single dose of walking on a sandy beach or sitting barefoot in your backyard will make you feel good for a while, but the effect won't last long. It's another thing if you can pursue such activities on a daily basis. Similarly, if you sleep grounded one night, you will likely sleep better that night and feel more rested in the morning. But if you can routinely sleep grounded, you're giving your body a major boost, a rock-solid foundation for maintaining health and a weapon for combating illness. And beyond that, some people will benefit still more from additional hours of grounding, particularly individuals with chronic inflammatory disorders. Many people have asked over the years 
if it is harmful to get too much grounding. The question is understandable, but there is no evidence of getting too much. To me, it's like asking if a tree is getting too much of the earth that it is rooted to. We are of the earth, and all our ancestors lived around the clock connected to the earth. It's totally natural and, I think, unnatural and unhealthy not to be connected. Our bodies know exactly what to do with what the earth provides for us. When we connect to the earth, the amount of electrons we absorb and utilize is governed by the amount the body needs to balance its bioelectrical state. And now we'll move along to the next chapter, and this is the last chapter for today, which is called The Cardiovascular Connection, Steve Sinatra's Perspective. And this is the MD that helped uh, author this book as well. And so again, I'm just going to go through the highlights of this chapter, uh, some of the cool thoughts that Dr. Sinatra had. And so this subtitle is called More Evidence, The Zeta Potential Connection. And so zeta potential is a term that describes the degree of negative charge on the surface of a red blood cell. Our blood cells operate electrically, and this particular built-in future enables the cells to repel each other and prevent unwanted aggregation. Here's an interesting result they had from a study where they were looking at blood samples. And so Steve goes on to say that the analysis was surprising. We had expected a small improvement in zeta potential, perhaps 30%. And this is relative to grounding, of course. Instead, we found an improvement of 270% on average. The results, published in the 2013 Journal of Alternative and Complementary Medicine, indicated the discovery of a natural blood thinning effect, an option that should be of great interest for cardiologists as well as any physician concerned about the relationship of blood viscosity and inflammation. The healthy range for zeta potential is between minus 9.3 millivolts and minus 15 millivolts, with an average of minus 12.5 millivolts. In our experiment, Two hours of grounding improved the average zeta potential of the 10 participants from a rather depressed level of minus 5.28 millivolts before earthing to a healthy minus 14.26 millivolts afterward. So again, from 5.28 to 14.26 within two hours of grounding. Blood closer to a zero zeta potential is more apt to be sludgy and thick, flow less freely, and have a greater risk of clumping and clotting. So that's the takeaway point from that section is that the less negative you get or the closer to zero, the more sludgy and thick your blood gets, but the healthier your zeta potential or the more negative your zeta potential, the thinner your blood is. So the closer you get to that 14 to 15 negative millivolts, the thinner your blood is. So very, very interesting research conducted there. The next subsection here is the nervous system heart connection. Perhaps one of the most overlooked earthing dividends, and so beneficial in these stressful times, is the rapid calming influence that takes place within the autonomic nervous system that regulates functions like heart and respiration rates, digestion, perspiration, urination, and even sexual arousal. This effect may be one of the first, and possibly the first, of the major body systems that react to earthing. It begins pretty much instantly. The ANS shifts from a typically overactive sympathetic mode associated with stress into a parasympathetic calming mode. The sympathetic and parasympathetic systems are the two branches of the ANS. Revved up sympathetic activity overwhelms the calming parasympathetic influence. The result, among other things, is a heightened risk of hypertension, arrhythmias, and even sudden death. 
One major yardstick of sympathetic overdrive is a disturbance to the heart rate variability, HRV, a measurement of nervous system balance on heart function. HRV superbly indicates your ability to cope with both internal and external changes. It is, in fact, the most accurate predictor of sudden death and the most accurate reflector of stress, according to Paul Roche, MD, president of the American Institute of Stress in New York City. If you can alter HRV, that is, increase it, you can reduce the likelihood of stress-related disorders, including cardiovascular disease. Exercise, Tai Chi, yoga, and meditation are examples of activities that improve ANS and HRV. You become more relaxed and you sleep better. Earlier earthing investigations had demonstrated a marked alteration in a variety of biological parameters after about 20 to 30 minutes of grounding. Others in several days. Some showed even a dramatic change immediately at grounding in less than a second or two. In the HRV experiment, we monitored 28 men and women, average age of 48, before, during, and after 40-minute grounding sessions while seated comfortably in a recliner chair. They were also monitored, for comparison's sake, for an identical 40-minute period while sham grounded. When grounded, there was an instant change in HRV that kept improving all the way to the end of the session, suggesting a greater benefit with time. There was no change in HRV when the same participants were sham grounded. The experiment showing a positive trend in HRV was published in 2011 in Integrative Medicine, a clinician's journal. For individuals who experience anxiety, emotional stress, panic, fear, and or symptoms of involuntary muscle contractions and spasms, including headaches, cardiac palpitations, and dizziness, earthing appears to represent a promising strategy that can be felt rapidly. As a cardiologist, I have repeatedly treated the human wreckage that stress, acute or chronic sympathetic overdrive, can exact. I have applied the best tools that both conventional and alternative medicine offers. Reconnecting the body to the earth provides perhaps the most natural tool available anywhere. The next subsection here is entitled New Hope for Diabetes. And so Dr. Sinatra goes on to say that since the mid-1900s, there has been a proliferation in increasingly unnatural lifestyle practices, including sedentary work, less active time spent outdoors, and overeating nutrient-poor processed food full of refined carbohydrates. These are driving forces for diabetes, but so too is the overlooked disconnect with Mother Earth. Reconnection helps in a number of significant ways. 1. Reduction in inflammation. The influx of electrons from earthing reduces chronic inflammation. Number 2. Electrical stability in the body. Number 3. Calming the nervous system. Earthing calms the ANS and improves HRV. And then 4. Aiding glucose control. When you have diabetes, you have thicker blood, which leads to poorer blood flow. And as we learned not too long ago, when you are grounding consistently, that literally thins your blood. And so the next subsection, speaking of which, is zeta potential and better blood flow. A fascinating 2008 study from the University of Calcutta in the medical journal Biochemica et Biophysica Acta reported for the first time on the zeta potential of red blood cells in diabetics. It's not a good picture. 
the researchers described a remarkable alteration, specifically a progressive deterioration of zeta potential most pronounced among diabetics with cardiovascular disease. The research revealed a parallel between poorer zeta potential and hypercoagulability. Quote unquote, blood becomes sludge so that it becomes increasingly difficult for the heart to pump and the ecosystem becomes less efficient to perform the usual functions, they said, and recommended that zeta potential should be used as a measurement of cardiovascular disease in individuals with diabetes. And so here's the next subsection called the Australian Experience. And this is going to be an anecdote from David Richards, who is an integrative family physician in New South Wales, Australia, of course. The anecdote goes on from David to say, in my more than 30 years as a general practitioner, I never had anything to offer patients for diabetic neuropathy. No doctor really has anything. All we can do is try to optimize blood sugar and control it. But that doesn't fix the problem of numb feet. Earthing has changed this dilemma altogether. In most cases, I've seen at least some improvement of foot numbness after an initial hour grounding session in my office where patients simply put their feet on an earthing mat. Some have not been able to come back immediately, but generally improvement lasts for as long as 10 days after one session. The more they do, the better though. One diabetic woman said that her numb feet had improved by 75% after that one session. She had never told me that she had numb feet. After two sessions, her numbness was totally resolved. To date, the numb feet of 21 out of 21 patients are mostly resolved. I now deliberately target diabetics, even those without complications. I believe earthing offers preventative benefit by counteracting inflammation and helping improve blood flow to all smaller vessels. In my practice, I personally draw blood and I've repeatedly observed the change in blood viscosity. One patient, whose neuropathy resolved, used to have blood that would clot in a normal-sized venesection needle before even making it into the blood tube. Since starting earthing, that doesn't happen anymore. I have seen diabetic eye disease stabilize in two patients. Another, with glaucoma, reported visual improvement, like cling film being lifted from in front of the television screen. Another individual with a leaking heart valve has experienced resolution based on a recent echocardiogram. His specialist can't explain it. I find that medication needs generally are reduced after earthing. One patient now only takes insulin if she is lax with her diet. Another has reduced daily insulin from 80 units down to 10 or 20 units. I actually warn patients to be alert for improvement and be prepared to reduce doses of some medications such as blood pressure, thyroid, and glucose meds, and in particular, blood thinners. For those on blood thinners, such as Coumadin, I do standard blood clotting checks fortnightly or every two weeks for about two months, and if the blood is stable, then do it monthly. I haven't encountered any issues. Earthing brings into the treatment equation an entirely unusual prospect. The majority of doctors expect deterioration in patients and the need to add more medication and or to increase doses. Now, along with noticeable improvements and lowering medication, it seems to me that diabetics over a long period of time will also have less heart disease, less stroke, and better health as a result of earthing. And that's the end of the anecdote from the Australian David Richards, but pretty darn interesting to see those powerful effects in diabetics of, of all types of maladies. And this next subsection is called the blood pressure connection. 
And so here are some of the influences that earthing or grounding has as it relates to blood pressure. So grounding, it improves circulation and electrodynamics of the blood. It has a calming effect on the nervous system. It normalizes the effect of cortisol, which is, of course, the stress hormone. It improves sleep, and you have less inflammation and pain. So moving on here, earthing may, in fact, represent the easiest possible way to lower your blood pressure. You can do it in your sleep without a pill or anything else. The most dramatic drops we have observed have been associated with the reduction of pain and the anxiety and fear of chronic illness. If you are hypertensive and taking medication and you want to start earthing, please consult with your physician. He or she may need to adjust and lower your medication accordingly. You may want to track your own blood pressure with a monitoring device at home and bring to your doctor a written record of your readings before and after grounding sessions. The next subsection, arrhythmias and earthing. So with arrhythmias, in essence, your heartbeat goes off cadence. Arrhythmias can range from simple skipped heartbeats called premature ventricular contractions, or PVCs, to the more serious varieties like atrial fibrillation and malignant ventricular irregularities. They are frequently set off by emotional stress and turmoil that generate heightened sympathetic activity. PVCs are generally benign arrhythmias involving skipped or extra heartbeats or combinations of the two that can also be generated by too much caffeine and alcohol, deficiencies of magnesium and potassium, and different cardiac conditions. And here's another anecdote as it relates specifically to arrhythmias and earthing. Uh, This is from a lady from Cincinnati, Ohio, and she is a mental health counselor. And she goes on to say, I heard about earthing several years ago and thought it might help improve my sleep. It didn't even occur to me that I might help my PVCs. Out of curiosity, I started earthing with a wristband. At the time, I had been experiencing so many PVCs at night that they were interfering with my sleep. A Holter monitor recorded over 6,000 PVCs in the 24-hour period. Worst of all, I could feel nearly all of them. By the third night of sleeping grounded, I was astonished that I could not detect any PVCs. In addition, resting on my left side would usually trigger PVCs, but while sleeping grounded, I could rest on my left side without a problem. It's been about two and a half years now, and although I have not been re-monitored in this time, I haven't felt any PVCs at all. They are still gone. I sleep much better. My experience has been life-changing. And then here's a little box here amongst the paragraphs entitled Caution, Earthing and Blood Thinning Medication. If you take Coumadin, which is Warfarin, or other pharmaceutical anticoagulants, talk first to your doctor before grounding. Earthing has a blood thinning effect as described earlier. The combination of medication and earthing may possibly cause excessive thinning of the blood and an alteration of blood measurement values. With approval from your doctor, you can start grounding minimally with perhaps a barefoot walk in the park or sitting barefoot in a grassy yard for an hour or so, or while watching TV in contact with an indoor earthing product. Monitor blood frequently in the beginning to determine, under your physician's supervision, whether the medication dosage may be adjusted. Earthing exposure can be increased gradually, but with careful monitoring. So that's just something to keep in mind, of course, for those dealing with hypertension and or utilizing blood thinners that, as we talked about with the zeta potential and how it gets you more negative, which means thinner blood, and it gets you out of that ketchup-y, thick blood, 
Well, if you're taking medications or you're hypertensive, that's something you need to take seriously and consult with your physician because if you go from a thicker blood and or using a lot of medication to thin your blood, well, you don't necessarily want to add a new adjunct such as earthing or, or grounding, which is a major blood thinner, and do that unmonitored because of all the potential negative consequences that could happen, but also, as described in this book here, especially by Steve Sinatra here, you want your physician to know what you're doing because perhaps you can reduce your medications, if not a little bit, significantly to the point where maybe you're able to get off them altogether at some point down the road, but your physician needs to be in the loop for that to happen appropriately. Moving on to one of the last subsections of this chapter here, and it's called Promoting the Body's Energy Fuel. ATP. As a metabolic cardiologist keenly interested in optimizing the energy production of the heart and body, earthing appears to offer yet another significant benefit as a simple, safe, and effective energy booster. For years, I have recommended nutritional supplements such as coenzyme Q10 or CoQ10, L-carnitine, D-ribose, and magnesium to elevate the bioenergetics of nutrient-starved heart cells and protect them from the ravages of aging, environmental toxins, stress, and relentless oxidation. I have written books and articles about these supplements I refer to as the awesome foursome. They provide critical raw materials typically deficient in patients. This nutritional approach has worked remarkably and consistently well in helping to restore the failing pumping capacity of sick hearts. Now, earthing provides another primary source for cellular restoration and cardiac rehabilitation. One likely venue for such bioelectrical boosting, I believe, is the mitochondria of our trillions of cells. The mitochondria are like microscopic power plants. There can be thousands of them in each cell depending on how much energy the cell has to provide. Heart and kidney cells contain the most. Inside the mitochondria, a complex process goes on nonstop. Electrons are passed along like a football through an assembly line of enzymes that create a substance called adenosine triphosphate or ATP, the basic fuel that powers cells to function and repair themselves. By infusing the body with electrons, grounding may ensure an ample supply to mitochondria and may thus contribute to the production of ATP in all cells. It's taken me most of my cardiology career to learn that the heart is all about ATP and that effective healing treatment of any form of cardiovascular disease requires the restoration of the heart's ATP production. I've come to realize that sick hearts leak out and lose vital ATP. Cardiac conditions such as angina, heart failure, silent ischemia, and diastolic dysfunction can all cause an ATP deficit. Another aspect of cellular energy production is that the electrons transported through the assembly line are of a higher energy type, more like a hot potato than a football, and that this energy is transferred to ATP. Scientists say these energized electrons are in an excited state. The electrons provided by the Earth may be of that type electrons brimming with higher energy. The earth may thus provide us not only more electrons, but supercharged electrons at that. And so moving along to this last subsection here from Dr. Sinatra, it's entitled The Bottom Line. Like any new idea with the potential to affect health, earthing needs to be thoroughly studied, tested objectively, and the findings published. I repeatedly submitted our Zeta Potential Study to mainstream cardiology journals and received not the slightest interest. 
It is always disappointing to me when conventional medicine rejects new ideas that don't fit into the existing paradigm. Ultimately, if doctors are not exposed to new ideas and opinions, it is the patients who lose out. Earthing is too good, too natural, and too profound to be ignored. For sure, in this age of off-the-chart medical costs and skyrocketing chronic disease, medical systems and the doctors working in them need as much help and relief as possible to give patients the most effective and cost-effective care. Earthing offers such a solution, and hopefully the medical community will embrace it as more science is produced. It is perhaps the most natural prescription we can recommend to any patient, a perfectly natural adjunct to any clinical strategy. And with that, ladies and gentlemen, we are going to wrap up this solo sode on earthing. Like I always say, I hope you find that information as riveting and impactful as I do. Again, I'm only reading the highlights from these chapters. So if you want the more nitty gritty details of all the paragraphs in between of of what I'm reading here, please, please go check out this book called Earthing by Clint Ober, Stephen Sinatra, and Martin Zucker. As always, the link for this book, we'll leave it in the show notes. And like I mentioned at the top of the podcast, I will leave the link for the earthing.com products that I personally use and and highly, highly recommend because in less than a dozen days, I'm already seeing miraculous results and I would consider myself a healthy person. So I don't really have as big of a difference from before and after picture, so to speak, as someone who is actually trying to recover from an illness or an injury a chronic condition. I mean, those types of people, and if you're one of them, you would notice even bigger results than I've noticed or a more dramatic effect with grounding. So if I can speak to the effects that I've seen in that short amount of time for someone who's relatively healthy, then if you're actually trying to recover from something, there's a really good chance you would see some major results, some dramatic results. So again, highly recommend it. Again, if you're dealing with hypertension or something of that nature, consult your physician so you guys can be on the same page relative to the blood thinning effect of grounding. But as always, guys, I'm super excited and pumped to be able to share this information with you. As always, I appreciate every single one of you. If you haven't already, please go take a quick 15 to 30 seconds to leave a quick five-star review on Apple Podcasts and or Spotify because that way this podcast can get ranked higher and and the type of information that you guys have been learning in this podcast will be able to be more easily found by those who are looking for this type of information and could benefit their own health in their own lives. So I'd appreciate that. But as always, guys, enjoy the rest of your week. Enjoy the rest of this January, wherever you are. Hope you're getting some sun. Hope you're getting some light. And I'm hoping you're staying grounded. I'll see you guys next week. And until then, light up your health. Thank you for listening to the Red Light Report. If you like what you heard today, go ahead and leave us a review on iTunes and other podcast platforms to help spread the word so other people can learn about the many health, wellness, and longevity benefits of red light therapy. If you're looking for more educational content, check out our Instagram page at biolight.shop and our YouTube channel, Biolight. I'm Dr. Mike Belkowski, and I'll see you on the next episode.